Where's my sermon? <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't have a memory? This should be interesting. Can we check the car? Sure. Put it on pause, David. No, it's okay. I can. Keep going. Um, wow. All right. Well, we'll be continuing Revelation this morning. And we'll be reading Revelation chapter 16. It's been a while since I've been up here. I was looking. It's actually since last August. Um, but before we get into chapter 16... I just wanted to give some context. Um, so we'll be reading the last half of chapter 15 uh, first, but before I get into that, we are in interesting times, that is for sure. It seems like um, everything changed Thursday evening when we heard the schools are going to be closed for three weeks, and that, that cascaded into everyone else also shutting down in, in unison. And there's a lot of questions going on. Going on. There's a lot of panic. Uh, well, I fear to some extent. I guess people think that toilet paper makes them immune for some reason. <laughs> so they're stockpiling on it. Uh, Donnie? I just knew a story about that. Costco yesterday, there was a big lineup. Yep. And 15 minutes they sold. 1,000, over 1,000 packets of toilet Yeah, I understand that they've been rationing what they put out on the shelves daily because they know if they put it all out now, it would all go in one day. That's a story I've heard, and I've seen videos of women fighting over toilet paper. Yeah, it's quite, quite ridiculous. Oh, you found it. <laughs> it must have fallen out in the car. <laughs> It's here. It exists. Uh, so it's interesting that I've been speaking on Revelation, and here we are going through an event that uh, maybe it's leading up to the, the kinds of things that we do see in Revelation. Um, and it says that at some point men's hearts will fail them for fear. If they're this worried now over a, a slightly worse than normal flu, it it just shows you that, uh, it, well, you ain't seen nothing yet, folks. Uh, and the really, as Luke was saying in, the, in, the, in his chairing and the hymn we just sung, our only hope, our true hope, is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's upon him that we can rely. This life is temporary. Um, there's an eternity ahead. And the only way to get there is through him. So let me read, before we start on chapter 16, I'll read chapter 15, verses 4 to 8. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And after that, I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open, and the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, 
clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. These seven plagues reference held by these seven angels and seven golden vials full of the wrath of God is what we're going to read about today in chapter 16. It's heavy. It's it's dark. It is uh, it is the culmination of God's wrath that he's been holding back against sin and wickedness in this world for millennia. It's interesting that the temple was opened to and these angels come out and get these these vials and then the temple now that it's open is also now filled with smoke from the glory of, of God and no man was able to enter until the seven plagues were fulfilled. God is uh, he is he is not approachable at this point. He is finally to the point of releasing his wrath and it's justified uh, and it's not going to stop until it's complete at this stage. Now let's read chapter 16. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. 
and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. So to summarize, we have the seven vials of wrath, seven plagues. The first one upon the earth, grievous sores upon those with the mark of the beast. The second upon the sea, the sea is turned to blood, the blood of a dead man. Upon the rivers, the rivers and springs are turned to blood. Upon the sun, scorching with great heat. Upon the seed of the beast, darkness and pain. Upon the Euphrates River, it is dried up. Devil spirits like frogs are released, which gather men to the battle of Armageddon. And into the air, worldwide unprecedented, extreme earthquake. Islands move, mountains no longer found. Great hailstones, the weight of a talent. I understand the weight of a talent is, I, I heard, 60 pounds. I didn't get a chance to check it out. 75 for the common talent. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. Each hailstone that size is devastating. There are three to four sets of plagues in the Bible. And Steve has been sharing with us from Exodus, the Egyptian plague, that would be the first set. I am... The reason I say three to four sets is because I'm not sure the seals qualify, uh, the, the seals that are open towards the beginning of Revelation as a, as a set of plagues, although there are plagues in there. Then we have the trumpets, which we've covered more recently in Revelation. When the trumpets are sounded, plagues are released. And then finally, these vials of wrath. The Egyptian plagues were limited to that nation. And they had no effect on obedient Israelites. And you find them in Exodus chapter 7 through 12. I would see the Egyptian plagues as a type of the plagues we find in Revelation. They are a pattern of the things to come. An example, as we find elsewhere uh, in the New Testament, Paul wrote the what we find in the Old Testament of, of what happens to Israel is written for and samples for us. Some people think that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are two different gods, but we know that God is unchanging. And we sang about that in Great is Thy Faithfulness this morning. This is the same God. This is the same Lord, Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ was the creator He's also our Savior. He's also the judge who is going to be returning and judging this world. 
In the seals, we read that a quarter of the earth is slain from the fourth seal, from the pale horse with death riding upon it. In the trumpets, we find one third of the earth is affected in a few of those trumpets blasts. But now in the vials of wrath, all the earth is affected. This is it. This is the final and full measure of God's wrath. It's a culmination of all the plagues found in Scripture. There are other plagues mentioned in Scripture as kind of one-off events. And Chris spoke about the quails last week. Uh, but because God was angry with the Israelites, they, he satisfied their lust for meat. Uh, but several, I think thousands of them were were killed by the Lord. There was another time when uh, David, in, in some form of disobedience to the Lord, had Israel numbered, and there was a plague that killed many. And there are other events in Scripture such as that. But getting back to the plagues of Egypt, uh, quickly list them for a reminder. They're, they're foreshadowed. We have the waters turned to blood, which we read about this morning, but it also happened in Egypt. And the river Nile was turned to blood. There was the, the plague of frogs. On common ground with today, we have those spirits like frogs come out. And you see in popular culture that frogs are often associated with witches and evil things like that. So that is an interesting thing. They're an unclean animal. Uh, they're just simple creatures, but for whatever reason, they're associated with that. We have the lice in the Egyptian plagues. They were plagued with lice. That was the third event. Fourth was the flies. Fifth was a disease that kills livestock. The grievous moraine, it was called. Six were boils and blains, like grievous sores. And we saw that with the first vial of wrath that we read about in chapter 16. There's some common ground there. The seventh Egyptian plague was great hail that kills men and beasts with, with also thunder and fire. The eighth was locusts, and we find uh, locusts elsewhere in Revelation, that, that army of scorpion-like creatures that are coming. The ninth was a darkness that could be felt. It was so dark. We have that again in chapter 16. When the vial was poured out upon the seed of the beast, darkness and pain resulted. And finally, the tenth Egyptian plague was all the firstborns killed, resulting in the, the event of the Passover, where all the Israelite firstborn were spared by the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and lintels, by which we see the picture of our Lord Jesus Christ and his blood shed for us. Just to, just to give a little bit of Exodus context, chapter 7 of Exodus, verses 17 to 20, Thus saith the Lord, In this 
Thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in my hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink. And the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river turned to blood. And again, we see that uh, the sea was turned to blood, where all the every living thing in the sea dies because the water becomes like the blood of a dead man. And I would I find it interesting that it says of a dead man. Why not just blood? Um, perhaps it has to do with there's. It is turned to blood, but it's also there's no oxygen in it, uh, and everything dies as a result. But also the rivers and the fountains of water. To me, that means groundwater, all the wells. Uh, my background in, in the water industry, that's the first thing I think of. So you can see that they're cursing the Lord over it. So they're trying to, and the angel says, God is righteous in this. I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. The Lord gives back what is deserved. This is not over and above a penalty. It is just. It is exactly what they deserve. And I heard another out of the altar say, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. I think this is referencing the saints who are, who are still there under the altar, and you see them back before the seals. The soul slain for the word of God cry out for God to avenge them. And that's the, the fifth seal. Revelation. Let's see here. Chapter 6, verses, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest, yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. So we have the, not only the angel, but saints declaring that God is righteous in this. So a quick review of the seven seals. We've, first of all, we had the white horse, the rider with a bow and crown, conquering. Second, we had, and this is all Revelation chapter 6 through 8, Second, we had the red horse that takes peace from the earth, and men kill one another. Third, the black horse that brings famine and uh, 
makes food very expensive. Uh, fourth, the pale horse, death to one quarter of the earth by sword, by hunger, and by the beasts of the earth. Fifth was the one I just read, souls slain for the word of God, cry out for God to avenge them. And perhaps it is uh, at this particular time, uh, the government of the day, the Antichrist kingdom, has, has slain a lot of the Lord's faithful who have not taken the mark of the bees. Six, there was a great earthquake as a theme. The sun was also darkened, the stars fall. Every mountain and island moved out of their places. And that was the first great earthquake. So that every mountain and island were moved, and the sun was darkened, and the stars fell. Seventh was the fire from the altar in heaven cast to the earth, after which there are voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And that's when the seven trumpets begin. The seven trumpets align very closely with the seven vials. The first trumpet, Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, was affected the earth. The first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. The second, Revelation chapter 8, verses 8 and 9, affected the sea. And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood, and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. So what we're seeing is like the trumpets are a smaller version or kind of a prelude to the final wrath. And it, the pattern continues. Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, the third trumpet sounded, affected the rivers and the fountains of waters. The third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So, in this case, it didn't cause the rivers and fountains to become blood, but it did make a third part of them bitter enough that men died from it. The fourth was affecting the sun. Revelation chapter 8, verse 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. The fifth one, uh, the connection isn't quite as clear, but it, I think it's still there. And this is the smoke and locusts out of the pit results in darkness. Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as a smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. And I'm highlighting the darkened part from that because that lines it up with the fifth vial of wrath. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, 
and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God on their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Continuing in verses 6 through 11. And in those days men shall seek death and not, shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns of gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates, as it were breastplates of iron. And the sounds of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And uh, the sixth trumpet affected the Euphrates River, which lines up with the sixth vial of wrath also affects the Euphrates River mentioned by name. And the sixth angel sounded, this is from Revelation chapter 9, verses 13 to 15. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day, and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And finally, the seventh trumpet affecting the air, the thundering, and the hail result. Revelation 11:15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And verse 19, And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. So, if you're, if you're keeping notes, I'm now going to go through the vials of wrath, just highlighting the connection. The first one affecting upon the earth. Revelation 16.2 And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. So, that's the connection, the earth, upon the earth. The second one, upon the sea. As the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. So before in the trumpet, it was only one-third of the sea. Now it's all of the sea. The third, upon the rivers and fountains of waters. Chapter 16, verse 4, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I've highlighted already how the angel, that angel, says that God is righteous in this. It is appropriate. It is just giving back what is deserved. The fourth upon the sun, verse 8. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, 
and power is given unto him to scorch men with fire. And again, the trump, the fourth trumpet affected the sun as well. The third part of the sun was smitten, and a third part of the moon, and a third part of the stars. The fifth, upon the seat of the beast and the darkness, and this is the one where I was highlighting the smoke out of the pit from the locust from the trumpet caused darkness. This is a, a greater darkness. The kingdom of the Antichrist, of the beast, was made full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. Note the sores. These are from the first vial of wrath. It's cumulative. They aren't events that end, and now you're on to the next one. These all add up, and they keep piling on. It's not like the Egyptian plagues where one happened, it ended, and then they decided not to let the people go, and another plague happened again. Um, and they repent not of their deeds. I want, I want to show you, even in this time, even at this late stage, God is not hating the people. He is hating their deeds. And he wants them to repent of their deeds. And it is their choice. Well, but at this stage, no one's repenting anymore. All Everyone that's left, their hearts have become hardened. Like the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. And they won't repent anymore of their deeds. I think the last time you can see any kind of repentance or, or gospel message preached, we have, the, we have the two witnesses who are trying to reach people, even in the tribulation time. But then in chapter 14, there's an angel. Finally, God says, okay, I've sent me my prophets, my saints, uh, preachers. I sent the two witnesses. They've, you've killed them. Finally, he sends an angel, chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. God is still trying to reach them at that stage. But when you finally, when we get to chapter 16, there's nobody repenting anymore. And more than once it says there, even then, even in these terrible, and they know it's from God, and they still, <laughs> I don't know, they're just, it's just beyond sense at this point that they are so set and so stubborn and so hard that they will not humble themselves and repent. The sixth vial of wrath. On Euphrates, I find it interesting that that river is focused on twice, at two different occasions. It's dried up. Revelation 16, 12 to 16. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, of the mouth of the beast, and of the mouth of the false prophet. 
this to me is highlighting the three leaders of the Antichrist kingdom. It is like Satan is imitating the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is his corrupt alternate substitute for God. And uh, within them are these spirits that are inspiring, controlling, working miracles through them. They are the spirits of devils, verse 14, working miracles which go forth under the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and may see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called on the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. That's a place, that's an actual, literal, geographical location north of Jerusalem. I believe it's about 60 miles north, if I'm not mistaken. And that is where the Battle of Armageddon will occur, and we'll, we'll read about that later in Revelation in more detail. But isn't it interesting um, that, behold, I come as a thief is, is right there, and we've heard the Lord speak that. And to me, maybe this should be highlighted red. Because it sure sounds like the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. He's in our Bibles. And you know how it highlights his speech as read. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and may see his shame. I will get into more passages about that towards the end of the service this morning. But I do find it interesting that even there, uh, God is... The Lord is giving his his gospel message, really. Like you, you're reading about this. He knows that millions of people are going to be reading this of his wrath to come. And this is inserted in there to remind them to watch, to keep your garments, to repent. Uh, finally, the seventh vial upon the air, resulting in thunderings and hail, again lines up with the seventh trumpet. But now it's amplified to a greater extent. Verses 17 through 21. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven and from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away before it was the islands moved. And the mountains were not found before it was the mountains were moved. But now you can't even find them. They're flattened. It's hard for us to even comprehend uh, what an earthquake like that would be across the whole world. And there fell upon men great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. The second portion of this message, I want to focus on God's wrath. We are told that we are not to take vengeance. We are told that God is God's uh, right to take vengeance. 
Revelation 16 shows us that God will bring his justice. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. In Isaiah chapter 13, long, long ago written, long before Revelation, it says in verses 9 through 15 in Isaiah 13, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. And he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and the day of his fierce anger. And it shall be as the chaste roe and as a sheep that no man taketh up. They shall every man turn to his own people and flee every one into his own land. Every one that is found shall be thrust through, and every one that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. In the New Testament we find God's wrath. And this is really the gospel message. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this is to wake people up. God's wrath is real. God's wrath against sin is real. His love for us is also real. And he wants us to repent. All these things that we're reading about, this terrible wrath, our Lord Jesus took that on himself. And those three hours of darkness that he was on the cross he was separated from God the Father. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was punished. He took all the wrath for our sakes. All we have to do is believe in him and accept his free gift of salvation. Repent and believe. But that takes some humbling, doesn't it? Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Note that it's their unrighteousness of men. It's not the men themselves, but because they are aligning themselves and holding to their lifestyle, to their sin, that is what God is angry with. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image make, made like corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves 
who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And then in Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and this is speaking about hardness of heart, like we saw in Pharaoh, like we see with many people today who won't repent. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. This is Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, upon every soul that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also the Gentile, but glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with, with God. The only thing I like to highlight in that passage, the, the uh, obedience to the truth, or the obedience to unrighteousness, I find it interesting that People obey, that is phrased that way, but they obey unrighteousness. If you, you only can have one master, you're going to serve one and hate the other. Are you going to serve God and hate sin? Or are you going to serve sin and hate God? Psalm chapter 2, verses, one, verses 11 and 12 says, Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So you have the wrath, you have the mercy. All we have to do is trust in him. In Second Chronicles chapter 34, verses 23 to 28, I believe this is uh, from Josiah's time, and they dug up, they found the scriptures. And they read them, and they realized that God's wrath is is got to be on them because of all they've been unfaithful with as a nation. So reading that passage, and she she answered them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell ye the men, the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book, which they have read before the king of Judah. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. And as for the king of Judah, who, you, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me. I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. 
So they brought the king word again. So we avoid God's wrath by humbling ourselves, by repenting. Like Josiah did, his heart was tender. The Lord saw that, and he did not uh, show his wrath in the lifetime of Josiah as a result. But this is why the sin of pride is so dangerous and why God hates it so much. The sin of pride prevents that humbling response, that attitude of repentance. John chapter 3, verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. God's wrath abides on every sinner who has not come to repentance and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go, go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Again, that dichotomy, the wrath abiding on the proud and those that do wickedly, but those that fear the Lord, then we are blessed. We are not appointed unto wrath. Under the next, the third section of the sermon, it's a short one, but we are not appointed unto wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. We are safe. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that, the, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So we know that the Lord this day will come as a thief, but also... You know that we are we are children of the day so it shouldn't take us as, as a surprise we know the times that we're living in okay all right so the last section is to be ready to share the hope that is within us it should stand out more in darker times even in these times that we're dealing with today with the fears of the coronavirus and 
perhaps is, is who knows, maybe this will kind of come and go and we'll be back to normal. Or maybe we're seeing a series of things um, come up over the few years ahead. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, we're familiar with this passage. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Are you hopeful today? Despite the day-to-day -day frustrations, obstacles, and trials, I, I fully admit to you I'm exhausted at times and pretty tired this weekend. It's been a rough time at work. But I'm still hopeful at my core. I'm looking forward to the Lord's return. And hopefully that comes out uh, in my interactions with my coworkers. Um, I almost thought I had opportunities a couple times. I haven't shared. Uh, it, it's it's tricky to know, but when's the right time to to share uh, about God in the workplace? Um, but I pray that the Lord would give me a little kick or a little boost at those moments to know when it's the right time. And, and I pray that for all of us, that we would all be willing to share at the appropriate time. Um, if these events of chapter 16 are not too far away, there's people that we know, that we know who will be exposed to that. And what should our reaction be to try to share the gospel message with them we, so that they don't have to be exposed to God's wrath because, again, it's it's the sin that God hates, not the people. So choose to follow him. But why should we hope? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which were asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. If we are as close to the Lord's return as I think we are, there are people we know that will be seeing God's wrath poured out on this world. But by that point, by Revelation 16, it's too late. There's no evidence that anyone repents anymore at that late stage. Everyone's heart has become hardened. We need to keep our hearts soft and humble before the Lord. And it's not a one-time event that you humbled yourself once to come to faith. It's an ongoing thing. We need to keep our hearts soft. As Christians, we can become hard. We are vulnerable to that sin as well. And the Lord will do what it takes to keep our hearts soft sometimes. So better to keep it soft rather than be uh, exposed to something difficult to make it get there again. Psalm 95 is a, is a great psalm relevant to this. 
O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me, saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter my rest. That whole generation of Israelites, they didn't get to enter in because they didn't believe and their hearts were hardened and they didn't repent. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 to 19. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses was verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. This is quoting Psalm 95. And the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but, them, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Plainly, plainly taught in Scripture. We don't have to wonder, what was that picture of the Israelites? It tells you right there in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, 
as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then he did not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. As I said, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, work has been difficult, but I am looking forward to rest in the Lord. And as it alludes to here, the seven days of the week, when God created the world, he created in six days and rested on the seventh. I believe that's a picture also of the timeline for the world. And we're coming up to 6,000. We're about 6,000 years in. A thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years to the Lord. And so that, that seventh day, a thousand-year reign of Christ is soon to come. And I'm looking forward to that day of rest for all the world. Chris, would you close in prayer for us, please? Heavenly Father, what a wonderful message your servant has delivered through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit within his mind. Very humble before you as he prepared the message and share with us the burden of his heart and to give us hope as a Christian to walk closely with you that we might indeed be pleasing in thy sight. To give him that uh, determination to work through the book of Revelation, to know that Christ is the victor. It is a book, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, set right there at the very first verse of Revelation. And has been revealed for all the different events in the future. We do see thy mighty hand holding us all. That thou will keep us and continue to help us to all closely with you, to worship you, to serve you, and most important of all, to share the good news with others, as you have commanded us to do. For we pray all these things in our Lord's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris.